Welcome to Media Currents Open Waters Podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Shropshire. In today's episode of the Open Waters Podcast, Donna Wicks of Kettering University will be joining us to discuss web accessibility and more specifically, accessibility in higher ed. We'll explore engaging accessibility-related topics, including marketing to prospective students, user experience, accessibility tools and training, and much more. Okay, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today on the Open Waters Podcast again. And we have Donna Wicks from Kettering University. Donna, welcome to the podcast. We're excited for you to be here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we also have, of course, co-hosting Susan Cooper today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm excited to talk about accessibility today. Yeah, especially accessibility within higher ed. Uh, it certainly applies to all web, but um, higher ed has its own demands and concerns. And it's great to talk to Donna and find out, learn a little bit more about it. I'm excited as well. So Donna, thanks again for being here. You're welcome. All right. Well, we'll just jump right into things here. Um, and, and I really like um, talking about generating leads because this is an area that's not my day-to-day uh, expertise. I'm not in the marketing department. I'm more on the development side of things at Media Current, but but I do like this just that whole marketing, generating leads, and and the how it impacts sales uh, revenue. But at a university, it's different, right? Like it gets into uh, you know uh, prospective students. It gets into like you know, students maybe um, being able to access things to go to uh, events and things like that, and, and participate in classes. But let's dig into that, like. Kettering's uh, site, for example, how important is accessibility when it comes to generating leads? So I would say it's very important. I would say it's very important for any higher ed, but in particular, we're a smaller university. And as all higher education edu- uh, institutions know, the, the pool of applicants is shrinking everywhere. We all know that the number of high school students going on to college is decreased. So now you're talking about needing to really compete for every available body out there. And when I say every available body, that's all bodies. So anybody who has accessibility issues, we want to make sure that they are getting the information the way that they need to get it. Um, so it becomes even more important in today's age when you need to be hyper-focused on every single lead. So we, we pay attention to the accessibility issues that anyone might have. Yeah, so you mentioned everybody. Do you think that some schools might be turning potential students away by not providing accessible websites? I would think so. <laughs> I, you know, I don't spend all day looking at other websites and I certainly am very aware of it as I do things. From my perspective, if we're doing anything that turns anyone away, um, even if it doesn't turn them away, maybe they still are interested. Their first impression of a campus is something that is not being delivered to them in a way that is easy for them to access the information. They are going to begin to question, well, if they can't do this with the website, what am I going to encounter when I get to campus? And that may be a fair question or it may not be a fair question. So for those of us who do the marketing side of websites for schools, we have to be very mindful that we are often that first impression of what a campus might be like. So we we really want to pay attention that 
people can get to the information in a way that makes it as easy as possible for them to get to and in a way that they can consume it. So accessibility is definitely um, something that could affect their um, decision, one, to whether continue to pursue interest in the university or two, to even come to campus to see what it's like. Uh, that's exciting. Um, you know, thinking about all the students coming back to campus each year and what that looks like. And speaking of digging in a little more on uh, accessibility and how important it's been to the institution over time, um, has it always been at the forefront of Kettering's goals uh, for good user experience? And, and if not, like, do you think accessibility is going to be more, you know, has been more noticeable in the recent years? Has it been you know, a bigger impact recently? I would say that it's becoming bigger as time goes on. I started in my position in 2012, but prior to that, I had been a system administrator for our learning management system. And of course, accessibility has always been at the forefront with that. Um, so I was mindful of it, but I don't think I was quite aware of all the standards that we should be meeting and all the difficulties somebody might have. So it's something I've explored over time. Obviously, our own visitors have, you know, made me aware of issues. Um, and as time goes on, the admission staff, the marketing staff, everyone's becoming more aware of the accessibility issues. And so it is starting to get more attention. And quite honestly, it's it's something that even somebody who is fully abled in all senses still benefit from those standards that we try to apply as we build content um, because it makes your content, you know, the KISS principle. It keeps it as simple as possible, right? And, and frankly, any visitor to a website wants it as simple and as easy to get to what they want um, and as quickly as they want. So. We benefit all visitors to a website benefit when we concentrate on meeting those accessibility standards that we should be focused on. So true. Yeah. yeah. So now that there is more awareness and accessibility is more at, at the forefront of, of what your team is focused on, do you perform routine accessibility audits? Like, how do you know that you're upholding the standards that you're trying to keep? <laughs> I wish I could say, yes, we do that. Um, of course, best practices are we should be doing audits, and it is something I strive to. Again, we're a small university. We're a small team. Uh, up until December, actually, I was the only one on the web team. I now have a colleague who assists me. It, it becomes problematic to, to try to even implement the audits, even though once those audits are implemented, it makes my life and everyone's life a lot easier. It's the time to get those audits in place. So the things that I do, um, just because you, you know, there's there's only so much of me and only so much uh, that can happen. But some of the things that I do are anytime that I see content being created, whether it's for our marketing site that I directly am responsible for, uh, maybe it's a digital ad or um, even some of our print pieces. I am constantly pointing out information as I understand it that might not meet the accessibility standards that we should be striving for. So from my perspective, it's easier to do that 
sort of education of anyone involved in the process of marketing so that they become aware of where they should be shooting. Um, and then as they become more educated, I have less to worry about going back and looking. I can begin to set up some of those audits, but uh, by no means would I say <laughs> we're there yet. It, it's a goal and it should be everybody's goal. So maybe check with me next year and I can proudly say, yes, we're doing audits on a regular basis and we don't have problems that exist longer than 24 hours on the website. We'll continue to strive for it. That, that sounds so real too, because I think about, you know, in security, for instance, because I'm involved a lot in the security side of things and we have the same attitude. We want security to be something that everybody thinks about and asks questions about and is always concerned with. And I, it's, it, I think that's a huge takeaway from today is if any of our listeners out there listening to this can just own in on what Donna's saying about making your entire institution, organization, business, whatever, have accessibility in mind and the importance that you, once you get there, I think the rest of it can start to fall into place. And, you know, those uh, good intentions by just a few kind of spread out. So speaking of audits and moving in, you know, from the main website into other things, I know a university has lots of web applications and systems and all of this. Do you have an internal team that also works on all of those different web applications or how do you handle those? So there is not a consolidated team. Uh, for example, our intranet is actually overseen by someone in our information technology department. We have Kettering University Online, and that's a separate entity at the university. So they also have their own web property that they oversee. But then you get into things like we're going to begin doing our own podcast. So uh, that may or may not be the communications team that will do that. We have email, um, a good example of accessibility issues and, and educating, um, but still it's, you know, web-based, it's, it's something that we need to educate. Uh, I recently received an email from an admissions counselor who had done this wonderful graphic that he attached as his email signature, and it looked great, but it didn't meet accessibility. Uh, we are a Google school, so Google doesn't allow you to put an alt tag on that image. So he wasn't able to give the pertinent information that he had included in the image um, within it. So I, I pointed it out to him. Um, he's very sensitive to that matter. He actually has a daughter who works in the accessibility area. And um, he was disappointed, but in talking, he and I came to a way that we could let him use the image that the emission staff could roll it out for all of them, but still include the the text portion so that it could be re read by a screen reader. Um, so we worked it so that everybody kind of was satisfied with the with the end result. So I think it's that um, it doesn't matter that you have a consolidated team. It's the willingness to collaborate when you do see issues. Um, so it's not a matter of going, well, you're not doing that right. <laughs> it's a matter of saying, hey, I've learned from experience or you know, I've done some research and I know that this might be an issue. Maybe we can find a different way to do this. So it's always, it's always good to, to present it as, I'm willing to help with this, but I also need to let you know that this is something we need to be very focused on that we're doing properly so that 
we can ensure anyone receiving this content is able to consume it in the way that they need to consume it. That's a great point um, because you know things need to be usable and of course accessible. And sometimes you know things may look really cool, but if it's not going to be usable, then um, you you've got to figure out a way to make it work. And and by the way, I love to hear that uh, you all are are creating your own podcast because I think everyone should have a podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked, well, Susan. I'm go. shocked. <laughs> We're big um, podcast fans here. Um, so along those same lines of, of what you were saying, I think most schools and really any company in general has good intentions to comply with accessibility guidelines. But what are some of the reasons um, that they may fall behind? What are the, the some of the struggles with that? Well, from my personal experience, you know, as I really began to explore it, the amount of information out there is simply overwhelming. Uh, I, of course, started with just looking up accessibility guidelines, and it's great. They're out there, and they're spelled out in great detail, but it's a matter of trying to figure out what are the important things I should focus on initially? Uh, what can I reasonably do? Um, if, from my perspective, I would love to find a group or <laughs> just because I, this is a, something I'm always trying to do, start a, a group of some kind focused in on higher ed and what accessibility means for, in particular, the marketing materials that we may send out. Uh, I think higher ed has done accessibility very well in on the learning side, but reaching out to prospective students, I, I think that Many universities have been doing it, but not necessarily in a standard way. We all sort of pick and choose which standards we want to reach. And I think there's a lot of opportunity. The great thing about higher ed is uh, universities love to collaborate with each other. And user groups are a great way to go. People love to share information. And I simply just have not stumbled on it. Um, maybe it's out there. So if one of the listeners knows and wants to, to ping me at Kettering, I'd be happy uh, to take a look. But it, to me, it's the amount of information. I think people look at it and they simply go, Whew, I'm not going to worry about it until we're, you know, until somebody's pointing a finger and saying, you can't do that. I think we have to figure out as a group, how do we, how do we do this so that people are proactive about the issues rather than trying to be reactive to either a complaint that's come through or somebody who has noticed something saying thou shall not. Um, but, I, but for me, I really think that that's, that's what happens is that people are overwhelmed with how much information there is and what, what should be done on accessibility issues. Yeah, that makes sense. I, and, and it is challenging. Accessibility sounds very challenging, especially in a university setting. And so with that challenge, do you know of any cases uh, where legal action has been taken against the school uh, for lack of accessibility compliance? So I, I know that the U.S. Department of Education will just randomly select some schools to tell them that they may open an investigation. Uh, we ourselves received a notice about a year and a half ago, and then they did follow through with an investigation. That sounds very scary. 
Um, and it was kind of a long involved process, but the U.S. Department of Education will work very well with you. They, they meet with you. They go through um, everything that they found. And that's not just necessarily on one web property. They will look at multiple web properties. If you've got a PDF that you've linked to, they'll look at that and run their accessibility tools against that. So they'll point out maybe, you know, 10, 12, you know, concerns, but they all sort of fall into general categories of, you know, what they might be looking at. And then you have a time period that you can make corrections. And for us, it wasn't, you know, that most of them can be taken care of within a, a matter of days. Uh, the problem that I was running into is that site that I was using at the time really hadn't been developed necessarily with an accessibility focus. It had the tools for me there to use, but it wasn't forcing me to use them. And as we all know, <laughs> we get in a hurry and it's easy to skip that alt tag. You know, that's one of those low hanging fruits. I always should have an alt tag on every image. Real easy to, to upload the image and just go, right? Um, so there were, and and it didn't force me to use certain colors. So you start getting into color contrast issues. So the, the U.S. Department of Education will, I, I guess is my, my takeaway is don't be afraid. One, if you get those notices. <laughs> Two, even if they do move it into the investigation phase, that this means like, oh, they're going to withhold federal funding or whatever. They, they couldn't have been nicer about it. It just was a kind of a long extracted process because obviously they have a lot going on <laughs> and can't immediately get back even if you've made the changes. So it, it it was a good learning experience and it actually came at a time when we were moving and developing a D to moving to and developing a D8 site. And so working with Media Current, I was able to say, here's all the things that, that have happened and I want to make sure that I don't go down those rabbit holes again. Um, and so one of the first things we did was create a whole style guide around ensuring that we were going to meet those, those minimal accessibility standards that everybody should be um, meeting. So, yes, it happens. Um, higher ed will get legal action against it. But I guess what I'm saying is, for the most part, it, it's not a scary thing. Um, the U.S. Department of Education uh, was wonderful to, to work with, you know, even though they were investigating us. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> they were nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned um, low-hanging fruit and the the alt tags. What are some other simple improvements um, that higher ed websites uh, should be thinking about making that can really make a big difference in um, someone's experience using the site? Well, navigation. You know, whenever you're looking at your site, you should just be thinking of navigation and how easy. So, one of the things that anyone should be testing against as soon as you've created navigation and or a page is just to do that simple um, tab keyboard accessibility test. So you're just taking the tab key and you're tabbing through the page. If there are any issues there, you know, that should be addressed immediately. Color contrast is always that that that's a no brainer. Um, those of us who are fully visually <laughs> able um, don't always you know we, we, we love our pretty colors and we think oh that's so vibrant and that's great and I can see it just fine 
um, but that doesn't always work out. So color contrast is, to me, that's that's a no-brainer. Um, so our site was developed with a color palette. I can't stray off that <laughs> as much as I might want to. And that way I know if I'm putting text on top of a color that it will meet the highest level accessibility. Um, so I would say that's a very easy one. Another issue that I've run into, and I don't know if other universities face it, but um, really have had to push hard over the past several years, is our marketing department often develops images for social media or digital ads where they have taken this wonderful graphic and then they put all this text in it. And I, I simply won't use it on the website anymore. It, you know, that text is either too long for an alt tag or just is, there's no reason for it to be all embedded. Um, and I, I, I've done a pretty good job of beginning to educate them as to, you know, you can give me that background image and I'll, I'll layer the text on top. Um, so I think that's another easy win is to just not use images with words in them, even if it's only two words. You know, I understand logos, that's part of it. You're, you're going to have your text, but just, just get in the habit of just not accepting images that have the text embedded, whether you have that alt tag or the aria. You just want to make sure that you're just being as clean as possible to every possible visitor on this site. Yeah, well, this has been uh, really interesting. We have, we have one final question for you that's not necessarily related to accessibility, but it is related to marketing in general. Um, so what's something that you think every marketer should read, listen to, or watch this month? Besides this podcast. <laughs> of course. Oh, oh, so good. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> Anytime. Um, for me, one of the things that I have found I've been doing for the past month, um, so I was, I've also been looking at SEO and what we need to do for SEO and uh, stumbled onto Google Trends. And I love that website. And I share it out with my colleagues, even though it's not necessarily something that I might be using on the website, it is absolutely fascinating to me to go out every day and see what's been trending on Google for the past day, past week, or what's actually currently trending on Google. So Google Trends is just, it's, it's fascinating. Sometimes it makes me a little sad what, what America or the world <laughs> is currently researching <laughs> for out on Google. But I have found several nuggets out there that while I might not do anything directly with, from a marketing perspective, if you're thinking marketing, you're like, huh, people are interested in that. How can we use that in our favor? You know, what do we have that might be similar that would draw interest into what we have to offer? So uh, I recommend it highly. Anybody who's in marketing should be looking at Google Trends and see, see what people are interested in. Because we can't always tell people they should be interested in us. We have to figure out what they're interested in and show how we're relevant to those interests. Yeah, yeah. I peek into the current zeitgeist. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a great, that's a great one. Yeah, I love that tip uh, to check that out. I'm, I'm going to definitely have to bookmark this, Donna, and and kind of make a pattern of checking that besides just my RSS feeds. <laughs> You'll get hooked on it. 
But like I said, some days it might make you a little sad when it's trending. (laughs) Yeah. But if it's reality, you know, you you can try to figure out what's driving it, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks again so much uh, for your time today, Donna. This is fascinating learning more about accessibility in higher ed. Um, I know uh, Susan and I learned a lot about it and um, just uh, looking forward to taking next steps and learning from here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. You can find us at mediacurrent.com slash podcast and subscribe with your favorite podcast app. If you like this episode, share it with your friends and tag at mediacurrent on Twitter. For more resources on open source technology, web design, and web strategy, visit us at mediacurrent.com. We'll be right back.